This sermon series is called Jesus on the Couch. What would it look like if Jesus was on the couch? And I have three parts of this series. Um, today is about dating. I'm going to be talking about dating red flags. Some of y'all are like, yeah, I did that. Um, dating red flags. I'm going to be talking about dating. Now, this is going to be um, a sermon that is going to speak to you. Now, you may have been married for 20 years, but I think that um, some damage has been done a while ago. So God is going to bring some healing to you today. God never reveals what he won't heal. So uh, it's going to be a great um, sermon today. So I'm talking about dating. Like, what, what would it look like if Jesus was on the couch between between you? What, what, what would, does it look like in marriage with Jesus on the couch between you? And then I'm going to be um, preaching just about friendship. What does it look like when Jesus, um, even a kind of a creepy looking Jesus with the AI hands. Somebody pointed that out yesterday. I'm like, I'm not going to be able to concentrate when I look at those hands. Anyways, um, but it's pretty cool branding still. Um, what does it look like? And so, you know, as Valentine's Day approaches, I just thought I would preach about dating a little bit. So if you want to get your phone out, men, and just remind yourselves of what you're already planning on doing on Wednesday night. You're doing small group on Valentine's Day? Yeah, what, what? That's a great date. That's a cheap date, that. Um, <laughs> you know, Pastor Aaron says that she hates Valentine's Day. She says, I, I proposed to her the day after Valentine's Day. Um, but she says she hates it now, but I don't know if that's one of those uh, female tricks. You know, like when, how are you doing? And they say they're doing okay, but they're not because they're never really doing okay. You know what I'm saying? Like, you got to like probe and find out what's really going on inside of me. I'm like, well, she said she was okay. So, um, but Valentine's Day, I don't know. I, I feel like that's a, another trick. I'm going to talk. Can I just open with a story about my parents dating in the time of dinosaurs? Um, this is back in... A century. Now, <laughs> you guys know Pastor Richard and Beth. If you're new to, oh, hey, if you're new, I'm Pastor Corey. So this is uh, Pastor Pastor Aaron. So I tried I I tried to swap the cheer levels to Pastor Corey. This is Pastor. It still doesn't work. Um, uh, my parents uh, were pastors. My pastors for 30 years, and we call them pastors out of respect. They're retired now, but they still work in the church. And, and um, volunteer, like so many of you. Now, back when they were dating, um, my mom grew up, let me just give you like this. My mom grew up in the United Church, um, United Church of Canada. And depending on your minister, some United Churches were great. Um, hers wasn't great because her minister never preached about Jesus, and that's a problem. So she grew up in a church and spent her whole life going to church. And it was like a social club where they told a bunch of stories that never happened. And so um, my dad grew up in the Mennonite tradition, uh, good, solid Bible-believing tradition. Um, and so as he grew up, uh, he ended up kind of leaving church, leaving God. You, people leave church and they say, well, like, I still believe in God. But I'm like, if you leave his house, you know, it's like saying I believe in my family, but I don't live with them anymore, you know. So sooner or later you leave God. And so my dad had sort of kind of, he was, he was on the run from God because he wanted to party or do whatever my dad wanted to do. And so... My mom went to Christian University, and somebody invited her to a, a prayer meeting. And her whole life, she was like, wouldn't it be nice if this was all true? But she went to a church where it was never preached as it was, if it was true. And, and I will say of, of the United Church, like um, Pastor Aaron also grew up in the United Church. There are some United Church ministers that are gospel-believing, Jesus-centered, absolutely. But in this particular one, it wasn't that way. And so, um, so they were engaged to each other already. And my mom goes to university, and she uh, is invited to a prayer meeting. And she has an encounter with Jesus, like, 
open vision of heaven sort of deal. And um, Venue Church, if you're new here or if you think that, that the lights are too dim and the music is too loud, we're an encounter church. So you're like, well, I want to invite my friends here. Just if you get them in this room and they meet Jesus, don't worry about the rest. Jesus can take care of himself. And sometimes, uh, you don't understand, Candace on the worship team, um, she, she used to say, like, I used to think the lights were too dim and the music was too loud until I ugly cried through a whole service. And that's when you, like, get your life right with Jesus and you need to just get, you know, then it makes sense. And you're like, I wish the music was louder and the lights were even darker. And so my mom had one of those moments, an encounter with Jesus. And they were engaged. She came back and talked to my dad. And she told my dad, she's like, Richard, I love you, but I'm not going to marry you until you love Jesus like I do. Because I love him more than you. And you need to love him more than me for this thing to work out. Now, my mom delivered an ultimatum to my dad. Now, people don't do that anymore. But aren't you glad she did? I mean, that took some guts to be like, I'm not marrying you. We're going to be talking about dating is an unusual time. You will never have more leverage than when you are dating somebody. Because once you marry them, you're married. And then he stops bathing and just, he becomes more of a cologne man. You know what I'm saying? And uh, you're not as sweet as you used to be either. And so I'm, I'm going to talk about dating today. You're going to love it. Thanks, Sean. Um, I remember my parents, I remember them praying together. I remember them reading the word of God together. And, and um, can I just say this? Reading your Bible every day. Let me say it like this. If you don't read your Bible every day, it's like being in a relationship with somebody that they're not allowed to say anything. So that, that gets weird. It's like living in the house where you get to do all the talking. Hey, God, fix all my problems. Hey, can you fix all my problems? Can you, I have more problems. Can you fix them? Can you fix them? And he's like, well, I'd like to talk, but the Bible is, you haven't opened your Bible app on your phone yet. And so find your church friends in there, get on Bible plans. You got to, it's a relationship. Stop looking for this like magical moment with Jesus. It is a relationship that you need to learn how to build. He's already pretty good at it. So um, does that help you and how you think about this? Now, when we're dating, just general, in general in life, I think we secretly want people to like us and love us more than they love Jesus. And when you're dating in particular, like you're so stupid that you don't know how stupid you are. And it's kind of flattering for them to be like, oh, baby, I love you so much. Like, yeah, we can go to church later sometime. I'll get into Jesus later, but I'm really into you right now. And you're so dumb that you don't know you, that should alarm you. If Jesus isn't enough for them, you'll never be. If you don't invite Jesus on the couch between you and your relationship, particularly when you're dating somebody, and Jesus is not in the middle, um, this is what I feel like it's like sometimes. We're sort of flattered that they love us more than they love Jesus. But Jesus is like trying to get our attention. Like she won't even let me fix her. And you think, oh, you think you're smarter than I am. You think that you can do what I can't do 
Um, hey, if it's awkward now, it's going to get a lot worse, everybody. So Pastor Aaron and I were just in Cuba, and we noticed uh, when we were in Cuba, because we had a whole range of, of weather there, that there's different flags that they put out on the beach to let you know the condition of the water. So whether you're allowed to swim or not in the water. The first, the first one is a green flag. That means everything is calm. That means you'd have to be real stupid to drown out there because you could stand up. And unless you get really turned around and try to stand up upside down, you know what I'm saying? Like the water's safe. As I'm talking about dating, even think back to your life. If, if you've been married for a while or if it didn't work out, just think back to this. Like the green flags are those areas of the beach and areas of your life where everything is working great. These are the because of. These are the attractional pieces. Now, attraction is great. Um, my, my Aunt Linda said, these are the, you, you first get into somebody because, and my Aunt Linda has been married for decades now, and so she goes, at first it's because of. Because we like the same things. Because. Because um, it's all the things you have in common. It's the easy part of the relationship. Now, dating focuses on this because there's two other colors of flags to come, and dating sort of ignores the other stuff. So, so the green flag is when I walked into Pastor Aaron, she used to live with a bunch of girls in a duplex in Calgary down by Sate. And I walked down the basement. She wasn't there yet. We were doing a worship practice for Campus Crusade for Christ. She wasn't there yet because she was using her own gas money to drive hippies around who didn't want to get jobs. So she was late. <laughs> Look, if you're a hippie, I love you. Get a job, dang it. I don't want to pay for you anymore. Okay. Anyways. Now, I walk downstairs and I see a, uh, like a life-size Darth Vader cut out down in the basement. And my heart was just like, wow. And I'm like, whose is that? And they said, it's Aaron's. And I'm like, Aaron. I hadn't met her yet. And I'm like, oh, Aaron, okay. I come around the corner in the basement. Her roommates were down there and some other, other worship people. She wasn't because she was late because she was driving hippies around. I come around the corner. I look on top of the fridge and there's uh, Stormtrooper Taco Bell cups. And I'm like, Stormtroopers and Taco Bell. I'm like, whose are these? And they're like, they're errands. And I'm like, Aaron. Okay. okay, calm down. I mean, by this point, she could have looked like the troll under the bridge. I don't think it would have mattered. I... And she, she doesn't. But I'm just saying. I'm saying it's just a heart connection. You know? And I, I was in, in the fridge about a minute later. And her roommates are like, who are you? And why are you in the fridge? You just got here. We don't even know who you are. And I was in the... And there's a thing of Dr. Pepper in there. And I'm like, whose is that? And they said, it's Aaron's. And I'm like... My best friend introduced me to Aaron on the phone. I hadn't met her yet. And so we were trying to organize this worship thing. And uh, my best friend's name was Jason. And he said, there's this girl you should meet. She's kind of, and then he pauses. And I said, kind of weird? And he goes, yeah, she's kind of weird. You'd like her. Um, she goes, he goes, what's that band you like? I said, Radiohead. Y'all know who Radiohead is? And uh, he said, yeah, she, she saw them in Vancouver and drove through the night and saw them in Calgary the next day. And I'm like, Aaron. Okay, you know what I'm saying? It's like, it's all these things like, okay, I can read the signs. I'm not stupid. Um, you know, and, and when you're dating, it's like you're on, the, you're on the beach and the weather's nice and it's beautiful and it's clear and everything's great. And, and you have a, when I talk to people who are dating, you have your song. 
And every time I hear like, oh, this is our song, I just throw up on my mouth a bit. And I'm like, <laughs> you know, because your song changes. It, it's not the same song like when your firstborn throws up on you seven times in one night. Wearing my favorite shirt, my favorite pants. Throw up. Throw up. Now I'm in like, I don't know what I'm wearing, but then she threw up down my back and then there was a bunch of more times. And, and it goes into this more like, hello darkness, my old friend. <laughs> now we're like, despite all my rage, I'm still just a rat in a cage. You know, and, and like, because it starts in this, in this green flag area where anybody can swim really. But then there's the yellow flags. Now the yellow flags are when the sea is not quite calm yet and it's recovering from a storm or something. And a yellow flag is, is trying to tell you like you can go in there, but you'd better be aware of a few things. Now the yellow flags in a relationship are like when you met her and then everything's green flag, green flag. And then all of a sudden she's in a mood and you're like, oh, that's weird. Yellow flags are, oh, that, oh, like that's weird. There was a young couple that started dating when we first started the church. And, uh, and I watched him a little bit. And um, I came into the room that they were doing our... It's pizza with pastors today, by the way. 1245. If you've never done that, you need to do that. Like, get engaged in your church. Or you're just going to sit back and hope God does all the things. But he's like, hey, I've got a whole life for you. Um, that's at 1245 after the third service. So you're welcome to stick around for the third and come to that if you want. But he was in like one of these like moments and I walk in there and he's, I didn't tell the camera people in the other service I was going to do this. This is where he is. I walk in there and there's a counter and he's like tucked in under the counter. <laughs> I look at somebody and I said, what, what somebody like me would say. I'm like, what the heck? Why is he under the counter? They're like, well, he gets like sensory something or other. I'm like, he's like 20 something. He's sitting under the counter because that's easier on some. He used to be laid in the small group and he'd pull his chair up to the wall and put his face against the wall. And I'm like, I don't. It's like, that's weird. You know, like, oh, that's weird. Um. It's when you notice things in them that you're just like, oh, okay. That's. I made, I made pizza for Pastor Aaron one time. I used to hand make pizza and it was delicious. I made pizza and she was, at the time she was supposed to be there, she didn't show up. And to cope, as the minutes start adding on, you know, to cope's like not being 15 minutes early, we don't get it. So. Time comes. It turns out, this is, this is what I, I figured out, is that she didn't even leave her place at Sate to get to Didsbury until it was already after the time to be in Didsbury. And, and then, and if you know Pastor Aaron, like I'm not trying to like score points off of telling stories about her, but they're funny. And all the girls are like, you be careful right now. Hey girls, when, when a guy and a girl walk into a room and they're fighting, whose team are you on? What if the guy was Jesus? Oh, that shut you up. So I'm just saying. So uh, turns out that she panicked, and then she missed the Didsbury overpass, and then she panicked again and missed the Olds overpass. 
And she got there an hour and a half late. Now, to a cope, that means, like, you're clearly dead on the highway because there's no other reason that you wouldn't call. And, and uh, some of y'all get to church, and I'm like, because to me, I'm like, if you're 10 minutes late, you, you could get to church 10 minutes late and only be missing one limb. Whoa. Um, <laughs> we got all our limbs back there. We're okay. All right, the thumbs up. Um, so to me, I'm like, some of y'all, you get to church so late, I'm like, they're going to come in. They've just been in a horrible, they're dead. Come on, venue church. Come on, you can laugh a little bit. You're like, oh yeah, I just showed up right now. And so I'm like, you must have been in a car accident because the service is only 60 minutes long. And, and we made pizza for you. Let's see what I did there. It's these little things where you're like, oh, yellow flag. Like, uh, that's weird. Now, yellow flags. Um, some people, some of y'all, when you're dating, or even now you're married, and, and you, you got this yellow flag myth, I call it, the right, the right one myth. Like, I don't know if this is the right one. Or I keep dating, I keep trying to find the right one, because the right one will, you know, fill my soul with, I don't know. The right one. If I just meet the right one, then I'm going to, they will fill me with happiness. Okay, well, that whole thing is like a yellow flag to me of the right one. All you're doing, you're looking for somebody. Look, the right one doesn't want to be with somebody who's not the right one. So why don't you just stop worrying about looking for the right one? Let God worry about it. Because there is no right one. There's only being the right one. There's another one. It's like, I'm here when I meet them, and then they're going to make me so happy. Okay, that is a huge yellow flag to me because I'm just like, for you to be happy. I asked a, an unhappily married gal one time, why are you on this earth? And she said, to be loved. And I said, that's a problem. Because your husband thinks he's here to love you and you think he's here to love you. So that makes two of you. Loving the one of you. Jesus didn't come to be loved. He came to love. If he came to be loved, we hung him on a cross. We're like, hey, you didn't do anything right. You're just trying to help us. You're great. Everything you say is great. Would you mind? He came to love, to serve. You are loved because of a byproduct of loving somebody. Then God fills your love bucket. It's a yellow flag. There's another yellow flag. It's like um, sexual baggage. It doesn't need to kill you in the end, but I'll tell you if you come in with sexual baggage and and uh, secrets and man, you, you're climbing into bed and everybody gets to climb in there with you and that's, look, it's not sex you want. And all the men are like, are you sure? <laughs> it's not sex you want. It's intimacy. Yeah. Intimacy comes from exclusivity. Yeah. Now, I'm talking to a lot of broken people in the room. God can and will heal you. Yeah, we got a little bit of work to do, so let's do some work here. Um, now, the good news is that yellow flags can turn into green flags. So yellow flags and all the misconceptions and all the weirdness and all the, that can actually turn into green flags. You know, here's the thing about Pastor Ann. She's never late for anything now. There's a God in heaven. She worked hard at it. That wasn't something she grew up with. But in what we do, it's important for us to be on time and respect you. And so she has worked hard and she's on time for everything now. Um, but there's the other thing that can happen with the yellow flags is that the yellow flags, if not addressed, go red. And red means you're dead. Red is dead. 
If you got a red flag, it's going to kill you. It's going to kill the people that you say you love. It's going to kill your relationships. Red flags. Red flags are when there's a storm and don't go swimming there. You can't swim on that beach there. Um, there was a rumor at our resort that we were at that, and our resort kept keeping the red flag up longer after the, after the other resorts took theirs down and went to yellow and green. Ours kept the red up and, and this was the rumor from one of the other Canadians that were there. They said, well, some guy went swimming when it was red and they found him around the beach because he got washed up on the beach. Red is when your mom is desperately trying to get your attention to be like, don't do it, dude. Don't do it. When your friends are like, there's something wrong. Um, red flag. So the, my mom had a, my mom has a, moms have spidey senses. And I dated a girl named Priscilla back in the day. And she was like, great. And it was all innocent enough. But I remember my mom didn't like her. Um, there's yellow flags, you know. Um, my best friend Jason was her cousin and helped her move from Italy to Canada. And so uh, she didn't have enough room in her baggage. And I remember him telling me the story, but because we were dating and we were stupid. He tells me the story like she didn't have room in her baggage. So he took out the fully inflated basketball and volleyball and took the air out. And then she had room. And I thought it was cute. We ended up breaking up. And you know what my mom said? It was Pastor Beth. She said, if you'd have married her, you got a, you'd have got a knife in your back every day till you died. And I'm like, no, mom, don't soften it. Just tell me what you think. <laughs> you guys met Pastor Beth? She like, she doesn't care what you think. She didn't tell you the truth. Red, dead, run. Here's the thing about Red. You can't fix their red. Only Jesus can. And if you're dating somebody and there's red flags, get off the couch. Let them work it out with Jesus. Because if they work it out with you, it's going to kill you. Probably going to kill them too. Let them work it out with Jesus. If you're dating somebody who's a liar, they got to work that out before you date them. I'll tell you, this is what a liar does. It's like, I'm going to hide my past. I'm going to hide. I'm going to like, I'm going to filter information to you. I'm going to tell you what I think you need to know. I guess that makes you smarter than the other person. Liars always think they're smarter than the people they're lying to. Because they know the real story and you don't. You must be stupid. Yeah, well, you're the one who told it to me. Liars create this other version of themselves. They present this to you. It's missing some things. Like the real stuff. And then one day, they'll get furious at you because you're not connecting with the real them. But you don't even know the real them. They haven't told you. You're finding out as you go. Like, oh, what? That, what? And then they get furious at you because they don't feel connected with you. Well, you connected with what they presented. Get off the couch. Run. Let them work it out without you. I'm telling you. Now, marriages, you got to swim the whole coastline. So marriage is like, we did it. This is God's intent. Now we got to work it out. But you'll never have more leverage than when you're dating to change your behavior and to have their behavior change and to turn the yellow to green. There's never better leverage than when my mom is like, hey, when somebody you love is like, hey, I love you, but I don't want to be with that version of you. You're going to have to change some things, you know? Sounds so cruel in Canada. Now, this is why 
Um, Lee and Tammy Lockhart, you know, who, who do our pre-marriage counseling for us, why they are so mean. You guys know Lee and Tammy? Tammy's our kids director and Lee doesn't really do anything. Um, are they here now? They're a spiritual gift of sarcasm, by the way, but Lee will come to me and he'll be like, um, are Jesse and T in the room? They did their marriage counseling. Or whatever. Anyways. They're what? They're in the back? Okay. So Jesse and Tia, they're going to get married, and they're married now. And uh, they're doing the pre-marriage counseling, and, and Lee comes to me, and he's like, Pastor Corey, they're just so stupid. <laughs> I can't remember if it happened exactly this way. But they're just so stupid. I just, I, there's some things I want to say to them, and here are the things I want to say to them. And I'm like, say it, because they're stupid. <laughs> Sort of like that. But hey, but now they're like great friends because at least somebody told them the truth about what was coming and at least they could deal with it before they got married and before they were committed to it and they leveraged the right thing at the right time so God could change their behavior so they could stay married, you know? Now, Jesus on the couch, that's like having a good small group with the, the speaks the, the will of Jesus to you. A good church family that sits in the middle and is like, hey, you're not the referees. I might, this is because Jesus on the couch will do what you don't do because you're afraid of being alone. Jesus on the couch is not afraid of being alone. So he will ask five more questions. So no, so tell me about your dating history, really? No, I got no, no place to be. So you tell me, you start talking and I'll dig a little bit. And why did you respond that way to that thing? That seems weird. Hmm. Would you rather somebody else did it than you? I mean, you got to get in there too, but I'm just saying like, Jesus is like, um, actually what you said wasn't true, was it? Well, it would have been, no, 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 no. It wasn't true. If it's not true, then it's false. Why didn't you say thank you? That's a weird, weird place to be in your heart. You think that you deserve that? I used to buy Priscilla French fries. Then I realized after dating, only for three months, I realized she never said thank you for french fries. That's weird. Why didn't you say thank you? You think that you deserve french fries? <laughs> Paul thinks he deserves french fries. Candace is like, you do not. And from now on, there will be no more french fries. See, dating, we spend all of our time dating, trying to get the other person to watch us and to pay attention to us. So we could be the sun on our, the solar system. You know what dating is really for? It's for me to watch you and be like, every move you make, sometimes you say, can the other stuff, I'll be watching you. I'm going to be watching you in all sorts of weird circumstances. I want to see what's inside. I want to see your reactions to different stresses. Because it's going to get worse. Nick and Carmen over there. Oh, I know you think your lives are so stressful right now. Dating each other. Getting all engaged and whatever. I'm like, oh, you wait till seven puke night. You wait. You don't know nothing about nothing. We got a good church family. We'll help you through. When Carmen's like, he's such an idiot. Like, you married him. Now you got it. Work it out. You know what I'm going to do? You want to date a cope girl? No problem. 
I'm gonna, you're going to find yourself in all sorts of weird situations. I don't even know what I'm going to do yet. And the stuff in my head is already pretty weird. You're going to show up to pick her up on a date one time and I'm going to have my underpants on my head. I'm going to squeeze you and see what comes out. Hey, you want to marry her? You marry the whole family. I will make up stressful situations and throw, toss them in there and see if they can swim. See what comes out. Because I want to know the problem before we get into a real problem. I want to know if it's a yellow flag or a red flag. I want to know if it's fixed, something we can work with, something my girls can live with, or something that I'm going to have to kill and throw in a dumpster. I'll go back to prison. I don't care. These are my girls we're talking about. We got some of this wrong in our dating. And it was 18 years and the deep issues came out. It's not supposed to take that long. God wants to deal with it much earlier. That's why our church preaches about stuff like this. Now let's go back to Old Testament dating. Sometime later, Samson. You remember Samson? Samson, he kills a thousand Philistines with the jawbone of a donkey. Like that is every boy's dream. Blood all over everything. You girls don't even know. We are complex beings created in the image of God too. Like, says sometime later, Samson fell in love. And I put six question marks behind that. Cause I'm like, I don't, I don't know if he knows what love is. Cause I think what we're talking about now is I think we're talking about chemistry. I don't think we're talking about love at all anymore. I think we're just talking about like how I, you make me feel. Who lived, uh, he fell in love with Delilah. Here's, here's the thing. Chemistry is not character. Chemistry. Chemistry. Character lives out love. Character is love. Characters, they will do what's right by you whether you want them to or not. Whether you're angry at them or not, they'll still do what's right. That's what love is. Chemistry is only desire. Character loves you when you're undesirable. And you will be. Character is boring, though. They don't make TV shows about, about older married couples, love lives. There's no, like, cut to the bedroom. And my parents, you know what I'm saying? Like, they're not making a TV show out of my parents' romantic life. Because it's so gross. But they have what we want. They have what love is. The rulers went to the Philistines and, and said, Entice Samson to make to tell you what makes him so strong. That'd better be Jesus called. <laughs> Entice Samson to tell you what makes him so strong and how he can be overpowered and tied up securely. That's what the devil wants to use your dating life, and he's used your past. You might be married now, but he still used your dating past to tie you up securely. Then each of us will give you a whole bunch of money. So Delilah said to Samson, just raise your hand if you, if you see any red flags in here. You'll have to like look real hard. So Delilah says, please tell me what makes you so strong and what it would take to tie you up securely. 
some of you don't aren't seeing it. Samson's mom is like, run, dude! What? What? So Samson is like, well, if you tie me up with this, um, this thing, bowstrings, tie me up with bowstrings. Now, the Philistines, see, God wants to do something incredible and supernatural in your life, and the devil knows that he can't touch the supernatural, so he's got to get you out of character so you lose the supernatural. So the Philistines are like, we, it's magic somehow. This guy's magic. We can't stop him. So we can't kill him. He'll just kill us all. He killed a thousand guys with the jawbone of a donkey. So we're not going after him. He's just going to kill us all. So they're like, we got to slip him up in his character. So the devil's going to get you off your character game. So, so she seduces him. There's probably alcohol involved and sex. Check your kids and venue kids. I warned you. And then she like lulls him to sleep, ties him up with bowstrings, and then screams in his face like, Samson, the Philistines are here! They're going to kill you! And Samson gets up and he's like, oh, let's go kill some Philistines. And then he stays in the relationship. Cracks the things and she's like, oh, you didn't tell me the truth. And he says, well, tie me up with fresh ropes. And so she does. Same thing happens. Samson! That doesn't work. Then he's like, well, so, well put, so, put my hair into a sewing machine. And then I'll become weak like anybody else. Same thing happens. He shakes the sewing machine off. And Samson, Delilah's like, you've been making fun of me and telling me lies. Now tell me how I can tie you up securely. Then Delilah, after the sewing machine incident, says, How can you tell me I love you when you don't share your secrets with me? You've made fun of me three times now, and you still haven't told me what makes you so strong. Prove you love me by giving me the place that God should have had. That thing that made you special, that gave you strength. Prove your love to me, because I want to be the center of your universe. Not Yahweh. She tormented him with her nagging day after day until he was sick to death of it. You know, if you're sick to death of something, you could leave. But he doesn't because he doesn't want to be lonely because Yahweh is not enough for Samson. Finally, shared a secret. My hair has never been cut, he confessed. I was dedicated to God as a Nazarite. It was about the Nazarite from my birth. If my head were shaved, my strength would leave me and I would become as weak as anyone. Now, Nazarite, it's interesting, only shaved his head when the vow had been fulfilled. Now, his vow that his parents made was he was to deliver Israel from the Philistines. His vow was unfulfilled and he shaved his head and he lost his strength. So she lulled him to sleep again. All the things happened. When he awoke, he thought, I'll do this before and shake myself free, but he didn't realize the Lord had left him. Some of you feel like that in your relationships and in your heart. The Lord left me. Well, you gave up your character. But God is here to help you return. So they captured him and gouged out his problems, gouged out his eyes, gouged out the thing that helped him see the thing that some of you, and this is what they do, they took him to Gaza some of you, this is your story, where he was bound with bronze chains and forced to grind grain in a prison. Now he's a slave to the very people that God called him to be. Now he's a slave and Israel is still slaves. This is what I tell my daughters, never date because you're lonely. 
Dating when you're just because, you know, it's like if you're not happy being lonely, you're not going to be happy being married either. I'm telling you. And it's like God is there trying to create a, build a relationship with you. Jesus is on the couch and it's you there and you keep talking to Jesus about somebody who's not there yet. It's kind of an unfaithful deal that we do. It's like, well, you're not enough for me, Jesus. And he's like, why am I not enough for you? Can we just work on our relationship before the other relationship? Because all you're doing is talking about a person who's not even here yet. Don't date potential. I don't care about potential. I think God can bring gifts to those with character. I care about faithfulness. I don't care about the potential. I don't care how great you look. Doesn't matter to me. Don't date somebody with their own moral code because it'll change. Date somebody who, who doesn't move the target to where the arrows are flying. Treat them like they're somebody else's spouse. Because if you get involved with them sexually before marriage, sex should only be in marriage. And if you get involved with them, you might be sitting across from somebody in a small group and you've been with their spouse. And that's not fun. I'm telling you. Don't date a man without a pastor. When he gets off, who does he listen to? Who changes his mind? Who tells him like, dude, stop. When he disagrees, will he do what somebody else tells him to do? Because he's going to want you to do what he tells you to do. Does he do that? Come on. Who brings him correction? And date a man and not a man boy. But before long, it says, his hair began to grow back. I don't know how long he was in that prison, but before long, his hair began to, it was a long time, but before long, his hair began to grow back. And his eyes are gouged out. All he's got is this treadmill. And I feel like somebody's married right now and you feel like you're on a treadmill and your eyes are gouged out because you can't see any way out. You can't see that God is going to help and fix and that God can heal. You don't, but before long, his hair began to grow back. See, Samson didn't have, didn't have a small group and a freedom group to go to to get rid of his baggage, but you do. He might have had it, but he didn't go. But you do. He didn't go to church. You, you, you do. Some of you need to circle. Some of you need to stop dating for a year and circle one year from now and deal with your red flags and your yellow flags. Don't make, don't make somebody you say you love have to deal with all of that. You deal with it. You know, on the last day, I know I'm taking too long here, am I? Yeah, whatever. Um, some of you got here late, so. On the last day of Samson's life, his hair has grown back. They brought him out to ridicule him, which is what the devil intends to do to you. He brings him out. The slave leads him out. He's like, can you put me between the support pillars of the temple? Thousands of people are in this Philistine temple, and they're celebrating to their God. And Samson cries out, God, one more time. Give me strength one more time. And he pulls the temple down on himself and kills more Philistines, more enemies of God that day than he killed in his entire lifetime. But here's what I want to say. Because he didn't date right and didn't marry right, David had a Philistine named Goliath that he still had to kill. Samson should have dealt with the Philistines. God gave him the power to do it. He didn't have the character to do it. You want your kids and your grandkids fighting the same giants that you're, you're supposed to fight? You're supposed to... Can you live in that world that they're fighting the, the Goliath that you were supposed to cut off that... Don't make somebody else fight your giants. Father, we say that we have sinned against the Lord. We've sinned against people. 
But the Lord has given us hope now. We feel like our hair is growing back. God, we thank you that you take care of your kids and you're here to heal us and you're here to redeem our lives from every destruction, to restore those years of famine that we have had. But we repent right now and we say we have not followed the Lord, but we are following you now. May the Lord do as he see fits with us. Let's us know what we need to do and how we need to get involved right now to deal with some of these issues. Amen.